0: Welcome to stop talking, take action, get results, get the knowledge you need from Jen DuPlessis with more than 35 years in business and as an entrepreneur and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Also, be sure to check out Jen's book, Launch, How to Take Your Business to New Heights. Available on Amazon. For a signed copy, contact Jen at jenduplesis.com. Now, here is national and international speaker and coach, Jen DuPlessis.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Stop Talking, Take Action, and Get Results with Jen Duplessis. I am so pleased today to bring a special guest on. Um, her name is Lori Richens, and she is a whole talk about in a few minutes. I, mean, I had the wonderful privilege of meeting Lori when she and I were both speaking at City Summit in Los Angeles a couple of months ago. And I thought that her message really aligned with what my messages in business. And my message, of course, is that a life of values adds value and it adds value to every part of your life, whether it's business or your faith or relationships, your health, all of it. And um, because Lori speaks specifically to whole family mentoring and really increasing the value of a family, I thought this would be a perfect topic for us. So
2: um, Lori, welcome to our show. We're happy to have you. Jen, it's a privilege to be talking with you again today. I enjoyed visiting with you down in LA, and yes, I felt very much like our intentions aligned. And uh, I'm grateful to be able to share my message today with you.
1: Great, great. Well, we're let's get right into it. So. I know that you're a personal and family empowerment coach and business owner of whole family mentoring, and that you focus on mm-hmm. helping individuals and families heal and feel whole again. Um, and I know you've got uh, something that you' really fun that you're going to be sharing um, that I can't wait that everybody knows and it'll be easy to remember. but I know that you you know really talk about three problems that you see facing. Um, in families, so let's go ahead and and get into what those three problems are, and then maybe take a little bit of a dive in each category, um, so that people can understand
2: exactly uh, what you do and how you
1: can help them. Perfect.
2: Yep, I'm I'm very fortunate to be blessed to be a mother of seven children and to be married for 34 years. To a wonderful caring husband and I grew up in a fractured home myself so I experienced a great deal of trauma and uh, and so this affected me as a wife and a mother and I was not only blessed to be able to survive that experience but eventually thrive but there was a journey to get me to the place where I am today and I realized there's so many families out there that have been fractured and trying to uh, create a healthy family of their own and they just don't have the tools to do it. So the numbers of fractured families is quite significant in society. And so I just have felt really passionate because I've walked this path path myself to give people the tools and skills that I learned to help them to feel empowered and to help them to feel like they can indeed change the cycle and create a really strong legacy for their own family. So, yes, I do have um, three particular areas that uh, I feel are problems for families, and uh, I'd love to address that.
1: Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I think that's really important. I'm, so wait, let me ask you a question before you head into that. Statistically, where are we at with the fractured family numbers, i.e. divorce mm-hmm.
2: Right. Yeah, well, that depends because they used to use the term um, pretty freely where 50% of households um, have been divorced. But that's changed a little bit because a lot of couples aren't marrying anymore. So they can go into a relationship and it doesn't necessarily add to the divorce rate. So in some Mm -hmm. respects, some of the research that I found said that the divorce rates were a little bit lower, but that doesn't necessarily indicate that the fractured family environment is... Um, healthier, if if you understand what that implies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, I totally understand. I think the other thing, too, is that because um, millennials are getting married later, there's not enough. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say not enough, but the stats aren't uh, continuing because there's just
2: a delay in marriages that has kind of skewed them as well. Exactly. And I'm writing a book right now called Uh, fortify 10 strategies to strengthen your family while building your business because I'm married to a CPA who owns his own firm and I have um, I've been fortunate to be able to primarily be a stay-at-home mom with my seven children but um, now I have my whole family mentoring business and whenever I speak or when I go to conferences you know I will usually kind of get a tab on um, what the family dynamic has been and I'll ask questions or find out if if people have remained married. And the statistics, at least in the entrepreneur world, it's very, very high. The, the vast majority, usually, that I encounter have um, really struggled to keep that fi- family dynamic intact. So I'm targeting the entrepreneur um, aspect of the world and um, just wanting to give them some good tools because mm-hmm. that was the life that I lived being married to an entrepreneur. Yep. Yeah. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so let's talk about the three problems, that, the overall, you know, high-level portion of the three problems that you see facing families today.
2: Yeah, one of the first things that, uh, you know, when I was asked this question that came to mind was ineffective communication. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it brought me back to what it was like to be in a child in a kind of a, dis, well, an extremely dis functional environment. And one of the um, main approaches to having conflict or to dealing with conflict was silence. Like some of my family members wouldn't speak to each other for years or um, they would just, um, you know, if there was contention at our table, I remember my mom just kind of giving me that look, um, don't say anything or a slight kick under the table about, um, you know, a reminder not to not to voice yourself that it's already stressful enough and and i remember what it was like to lose my voice and uh and so as i deal with clients and i work with family members whether they're spouses or parents with their children or whatever the circumstance happens to be sometimes they honestly do not know how to communicate they just They've passed on a poor um, example that they've had while they were a child. There could be yelling or there could be sarcasm or Mm insults and it just adds to the fracturing instead of finding healthy ways to have a dialogue and then come to a resolve. Yeah, and I think that's a, a
1: really good point. I mean, especially from, you know, even my, my uh, childhood, I was an only child until I was 13. And uh, what I always tell everybody is, <laughs> uh, and, and it's not accurate, but what I tell everyone is that, uh, you know, I didn't learn how to fight. And um, what I mean by that is because I didn't have siblings, I didn't learn how to pull hair, you know, kick them, be kids. I'm talking about being kids, not, not major stuff. I'm talking about being a kid. Because in doing that, you are expressing yourself, right? Right or wrong, you're able to have another party to be able to express. And so when I got married, so we've been married 36 years, my husband and I, we got married. I was 19, he was 20. And I had asked him to clean off the top of the uh, refrigerator for me. And he did it with a washcloth instead of a Windex or something, right? And at the time, I know this is silly, but at the time, we had a cat and our cat slept on the refrigerator. And it wasn't like in the kitchen, it was kind of near it, but you know, our cat slept on the refrigerator because it was warm. And so I said, just make sure you get the cat hairs off the refrigerator, right? Well, I come in and oh my gosh, there's cat hairs hanging off the refrigerator. It was our first fight, but it didn't happen for two weeks because I wouldn't say anything. So I didn't know how to, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to express myself. I never learned how to express myself, right? And how to fight. I say fight, but I didn't learn how to express myself. And so he would say to me, and he's Italian, and I'm German. So he's, you know, very vocal. I'm very subdued. And he said to me, what's wrong? And I said, nothing, 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 nothing for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I told you nothing. And then finally I turned around and I said, you know, you left cat hairs on the refrigerator. <laughs> then I was crying. And he started laughing. I said, that's all it is. I you, you know? <laughs> And so I think about that just in its very basic level of how communication as a child impacts you as an adult, right, wrong, and different. you know, based on what you're
2: saying. But yeah, that is such a perfect example of the silliness that can create wedges. And it reminds me of a story that um, I share sometimes about my husband. He's a very gentle, kind soul and his love language is to help. So when we were first married, Mm -hmm. he wasn't much of a communicator. He's very, he was very quiet and shy. And I was very much a talker, but I, I wasn't necessarily a problem solver. And, um, we were living in this little tiny house and, and, uh, we had a washer and dryer out in the back porch and I walked in the back and saw him folding towels and he was like taking them up without matching the corners. He was just kind of rolling them in a ball and putting them on the top of the dryer. And I went in there, <laughs> right. yeah, you'll laugh at this, the yeah. silliness, your cat story, my towel story. And, uh, I walked over there and you know in my um, arrogance I suppose I put my hand on my hip and I said Brian how do you fold cows and to me it would be like really an obvious indication to him that he's doing it wrong and maybe even a little berating although I didn't intend on that but I'll never forget what he did and he just simply said not very well and I my heart just <laughs> melted and you know he 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 wasn't an egotistical person he wasn't prideful and so those were some of the earliest stages where i learned that you don't have to be triggered you don't have to have things escalate if somebody's unhappy with mm-hmm. you or you know there are ways that Communication can happen where you can soften the other person, and there can be a humility that comes with that. And so, I love telling that story because those are things now that I help clients with to kind of um, just kind of settle down. And um, I'd like to share one um, aspect of it Mm -hmm. uh, that has been really um, helpful for me as well. I was working with a client one time. Uh, You know, sometimes silence is used not to hurt another person, not to. To um, punish that individual, but sometimes you just love the other person so much, you don't want to hurt them. And I was Mm -hmm. working with a mother and a teenage son, and um, this mother knew that there were some issues between them, but the son was really struggling to express himself. And so as they sat together with me, I said to the mother, I said, Would you mind maybe just going out in the foyer for a bit? And I'm going to chat with you know, with your son for a few minutes and then we'll have you come in. So I asked this boy and I'll call him Sam. So I said, Sam, what is it you would like to tell your mom? So I wrote everything down that, you know, came to his mind. And then I said, would you mind um, when we call your mom back into the room, would you mind if I just express these things for you to her? And um, he was okay with that. So Uh, she came in and she sat on the love seat next to him and I said okay I just need the two of you to look at each other I don't want you to say a word I just want you to look at each other while I express what needs to be said so I took his words Mm -hmm. and and carefully phrased them carefully stated them in a way that um, would be as received as positively as possible but honest and forthright and I would say to the mother, I would say, Sam feels this. And then Sam's eyes would be like, yes, mom, that's how I feel. And then she would look back at him and say, oh, son, I didn't really know that. And it was all in the eyes. It was all in this safe, loving atmosphere. And then I would say, and Sam feels this. And then what I saw transpire in those um, those minutes was really so sacred and so beautiful because the love for the son trumped the pain that she was experiencing. All she wanted to mm-hmm. do of course. was to make sure her son felt heard and validated. It was really beautiful. And um, I love working with multiple family members at once and giving them the skills to do that. And, and so it, it was really, really a lovely thing to be a mediator in that in that moment.
1: Yeah, because a lot of times we can't express it ourselves and we need a third party to get involved because what ends up happening is when you can't express it, you just have that constant, constant, uh, I hate the word fighting, um, that uh, friction between the two of you Mm -hmm. because nobody's listening and it's just not, yeah. It's just not happening. Okay, and I know you're going to give us, some, again, a tool to be able to help us uh, here in, in a few minutes. So, you know, if you're listening in, just hold on because in a moment we'll be sharing that. So let's talk about the number, the number two um, problem, which is the lack of proper problem-solving skills. Um, we just want it fixed. You want to yell? We do. We want it fixed.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so That's tell
1: us so a little true. bit about
2: how some techniques we can do. Well, first of all, I'm going to go from go the perspective of a parent. I remember what it was like mm-hmm. to be demeaned and ridiculed when I was young because I didn't have um, very, uh, maybe, effective problem-solving skills, and I remember being labeled as um, airheaded or um, I didn't have common sense, and. Uh, so when I ended up being a mother and uh, having opportunities to kind of form and groom and and help my children to rise up I realized that the very thing I was being criticized about when I was young was completely normal for a child during their development years and what I realized also was that my parents or my mother who was married multiple times they didn't have the skills to actually groom me to then have those developmental capacities. So I decided that from the time my children were very young, I was going to ask them really pertinent questions. And then I was going to see how they were developing their problem-solving capacity, or to respond in ways that could help me to assess where their maturity level was. And, um, and I'll just give a, a quick example of this. I, I was actually reframing mm-hmm. Um, the outside of the front door of the house I had my wood tools out I had um, You know the hammer and the nails and the the things that I needed and so I'm cutting the boards and I'm I'm trying to put this nice Victorian frame around the front door and something's just not looking right and so my daughter gets off the bus and she walks up our driveway and uh, I don't know she might have been 10 at the time and I said, Lily, I said, something doesn't look right. And I'm not quite sure what it is. And I said, will you look at it for me? And so we were standing beside each other at a distance. And immediately she saw where I had erred in the cutting. And sometimes, you know, we're just too close to the situation. We don't get it. And, um,
0: and so mm-hmm. from the
2: time our children, yes, sorry if I'm talking over you, but. From the time our children were small, you know, I asked them about paint colors if we were decorating the house or I asked them um, anything that I could think of if I saw a newspaper article or a major event that happened or something that came across the news. I wanted to um, help them to come up with mature, wise insight. And so that is a problem solving tool that we can develop as parents in helping our children Um, ask them a lot, a lot of questions, have healthy dialogue. And I remember someone once saying to me, she said, um, this person said, I can see that you talk with your children and not at them. And uh, I hadn't really, I hadn't really realized I was doing that until it was pointed out. But um, I think that's been one of the most effective. Uh, tools that I've used, at least for my children who ended up being fortunately very successful in, you know, most aspects, all aspects of their lives, really.
1: Yeah, and I had the wonderful opportunity to meet one of them as well, so I definitely can vouch for that, you know. Um, Yeah, and I think that that's really important, and I know there's a, there's a book out that's uh, how, how to raise great kids without raising your voice, I think is what it's called, mm-hmm. because it's about that, you know, and I noticed that my son had it at his house, <laughs> okay, and I was like, good for you, honey, and he, does, but he, he doesn't raise his voice, but he's very stern, which is what I was with my kids as well, I was very stern, um, Because again, I I really focus on values and you know leveling up yourself and that kind of thing. I didn't negotiate with my kids. I was stern with my kids, and um, I think he just you know he's got three now, and I think he's just he realized that maybe he he was losing his temper with the different personalities, right? And had to find Mm -hmm. a way to to fix it. So I love that he he's doing that. Okay, so so moving on to the unresolved past trauma, which you have already mentioned a little bit, but. Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. Are you, are you actually addressing this with people, or is this someone you had someone else address and bring into your uh, coaching
2: and mentoring programs? Actually, because I myself am a survivor of past trauma, um, I think I'm you know, a really effective candidate for being the one to serve my clients, and it's fascinating to me to find out how many of my clients the vast majority of them who've had their own sort of trauma, some very severe, like I've had a couple of, um, you know, the adult women who've come who've said they were raped in high school and they never told their parents. Mm-hmm. They never, it, they, it yeah. happened in a in a way where they went on existing without the support that they needed, without the awareness of, um, you know, their family to, to assist them through that. And so as an adult, um, you know, they don't, quite know how to cope. They don't have boundaries. They don't know how to deal with uncomfortable situations. And, and, uh, and so many marriages break because of that, or, um, just really some, Mm -hmm. some significant events that happened in their lives where the parents were in high dysfunction or, um, uh, you know, sexual abuse is of course a, a very, um, extreme, uh, situation that many many children who are now adults face, and so I love being able to um, honor them and validate them. And um, I I usually will say something like, "There's nothing that you can tell me that I haven't either experienced myself or um, worked with already." And so you're in a safe place, and um, that's one of the most initial aspects. Whenever I work with clients, I have them sitting facing the door. It's a simple thing, but I want them to feel like they have an exit because when people feel trapped by trauma, you know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about, Jen? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I want them to feel like they're in the power position. So I validate their feelings. I allow them to speak um, their pain. And so many times I find that there's a present day situation, say they're 35 years old, Um, I was 40 years old when my brain released severe traumatic memories that, um, you heard me say this on stage, but I survived as an adult, as a child nearly killed me as an adult, when suddenly I'm faced with the reality of the brutality of the things that happened to me. And I had to then Mm -hmm. uh, cope with what I couldn't cope with as a child. I had to figure out how to survive as an adult. But um, so often, I call this, Um, this technique, the trauma timeline, where people in their presence say they're 40 years old and they're dealing with a past trauma that's triggered them. Well, they're going to revert back to the age where that trauma occurred. And yet they're living in an adult world where they can't problem solve at 40 years old because they're, you know, feeling small and vulnerable and victimized at nine. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we go through the mm-hmm. we go through the trauma timeline, and um, you know we'll say, well, what happened at nine? Or I'm an energy healing facilitator too, and I'm very instinctive, and um, aware of you know through body language and just through things that they share. I might get a prompting, and I'll say, did something significant happen at twenty? Or, and then we'll move up to say twenty-five or up to twenty-nine, and we'll just we'll just keep climbing the timeline until. We get them to their present state, and it's like the body and the mind says, oh, somebody finally knows. Somebody finally knows my story. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm heard. Um, And then that fractured feeling starts to feel whole again, and that's one of the reasons why I call it whole family mentoring. Um, Not only do I deal with the whole family, but I help people feel whole again.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful, and I and I think that you know we all have some type of situation in our background. I know that people you know like to think that they are resilient, and I, you know I even heard someone recently uh, stand up and say, "I um I didn't I don't know how to tell a story because I never had any trauma in my life," mm-hmm. and of course we were all saying, "Oh yes, you have. Everybody has, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We've all had something." That has contributed to the way we are. That is and so true. It was it was mm-hmm. kind of interesting, and as we went through the process with this individual, um, sure enough, we found that she did have some issues, and um, she was just you know blind to them or didn't want to realize them. So, I think that's you know very very powerful. And I very think very, what powerful. you're saying
2: yes is important to address because <clears throat> I was talking with a client recently and. Uh, one of the things that she experienced when she was school was in school was being mocked and teased, and she was a bit overweight, and and um, <clears throat> she wasn't treated particularly respectfully. And so we we worked on that, and we gave her um, uh, not only skills and tools, but greater insight. Sometimes when you just understand and make sense of the suffering, that in itself can be very healing. Um, but she called me. Uh, A few weeks ago, and uh, it was fascinating how the person, one of the primary people who mistreated her, was now a mother herself. And she ended up calling my client and said, or contacting her, it may have been through Facebook or something, but basically said, Mm -hmm. You know, now that I'm a parent myself, I see that what I did to you was wrong, and I'm sorry. Mm. And Mm. sometimes, So, my client said basically kind of brushed it off and said that was okay. And and I actually talked to her about that. And I said, um, I gave her the assignment to call that person back and to say, actually, it's not okay because what you did affected me in this way. And I appreciate that you opened the door for us to have a dialogue about this. But sometimes when we say it's okay too soon, we don't get all of our pieces back. Like, we don't get to really voice ourselves. And I wanted her to say what needed to be said. I wanted her to rise up mm-hmm. and defend herself in the adult stage, and so say, that yeah, the that child was wrong. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, give, allow the other person to feel the pain of their decision. That's part of their repentance, for lack of a per, you know better word. Mm-hmm. I'm a person of right. faith. Yeah. So allow them to feel the pain of their choice, but also you know, grant the forgiveness that's needed as well. It's part of their progress and it's part of your progress. So don't undermine the value, even if it's 30 years later or, you know, at a time where you think, oh, it's just in my past. I'm a firm believer that the keys to the success in your future is in resolving the past and looking into the past and finding what damaged you and um, being honest about how it impacted you and then gained the life lesson from it. You know, so often we try and stay a step ahead of the pain, and then we lose the value of the gift that that pain gives you in, you know, making you more compassionate mm-hmm. or making you more um, aware right. about what not to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting because um, you can read this in my book. Um, which is, you know, that I had an uncle. I mean, my name's Jennifer. I don't go by Jenny. I don't go by Jennifer cause it's so formal. It's not my personality, but it is me. Right. Um, and I have to introduce myself as Jennifer because otherwise people think I'm Jan and not Jen. Uh, but when I was very young, one of my uncles, uh, I'm one of 37 first cousins and, um, he had a nickname for everybody in my family, all the cousins. So we had uh, Gene the Machine, Fartin' Martin, Dan the Man, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, all the, all the kind of funny names, but mine was Jenny, who ain't got a penny, and oh. I, was, I was the, uh, my mom and dad were the only ones who had an only child. Everybody else had two kids, at minimum. And more, you know, all the way up to seven or eight. And so we are the only one. I was the only one who had just, you know, just me. I was an only child until I was 13 when my parents finally had my brother. But um, in addition to that, my father was an alcoholic. Mm. And so my, my family, my particular family was looked at as, you know, the low people in the totem pole. So my uncle came to me one day and, you know, we were, it didn't really come up to me and tell me this. We were just talking. And he said to me, "You know, Jenny, you're going to be an alcoholic. You're going to smoke, and you're going to be poor. You're not going to amount to anything. You're going to be just like your family, because that's how it is. Whatever your parents are, you are. Mm-hmm. And that was a changing point, you know, and of course him calling me Jenny, when he got a penny, prior to that, i I would carry a penny around in my shoes, and I would just show it to him, and say, "No, I have a penny. ha, 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 I have a penny." And it wasn't until later that I really realized the impact of what that was. And, and it became an internal, you know, what I call an internal job, right? An inside job. And, you know, thankfully my faith was really strong. My, my grandparents went to Mass every day and I went with them because I was with them more than my parents because they were always fighting. And um, so that was, you know, pretty pretty dramatic, right? So when I wrote my book, I just said an uncle. When I went back home to Michigan... Gave him the book and said to him, hey, I, you know, he knew I wrote the book and he said, I can't wait to read it. I didn't say anything to him. So he started reading it and, and I happened to be there for a week. He came back to me, uh, you know, one morning when we all saw each other, he beelined right for me. He's 85 years old right now. He beelined right for me and said, Jenny, 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 I, I'm so sorry. I know you were talking about me. I love you. I am so proud of you. And I want you to know that I'm so sorry. I had no idea it impacted you like that. It wasn't my intent. Mm. But for 45 years, I felt it was his intent, right? And I had resentment. I loved this uncle and still do, but I had resentment. And so my whole life's purpose was proving to him that I would be better than them. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Yes, and you had a lot of programming from... Uh, you know, those mm. statements about you, and it's so true, and that goes right back to the three major things that I see affecting families, just poor communication skills. Um, I had something similar where um, I had a really serious health issue that I was faced with, and uh, you heard me on stage talk about an anxiety attack that I had had mm-hmm. when, um, you know, I, I was just on overload, and, and I was I had my seventh baby, and And uh, and so I had never experienced an anxiety attack before and it completely shut me down and I Remember thinking I I just can never let this happen to me again like I cannot let my children see this occur again and um, I Can't let it affect my mind and my body and my health and all of this and I remember being on the phone with my mother and she was saying, yeah, honey, when I was your age, you know, that was happening to me too. And you're just like me. And yes, you know, you're going to have the problems that I had, that I've had. And, and, you know, when I was growing up, she didn't have a lot of coping skills. And so um, medication was tranquilizers and, and um, other things were being used back in the day, you know, to help people to cope. And, Mm -hmm. and so, um, you know, I saw a lot of, Um, poor um, self-awareness and survival capacity, but not a lot of security. I didn't experience a lot of security. And, um, and so when I was having, I look like my mom. So when she was projecting that onto me, you know, I'm suddenly in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if I'm like her, then my children are going to see the things that I saw and feel the things that I felt. And, you know, it's never going to get better. And So Mm -hmm. I said to my mother, and this is one of the first things, first times that I ever kind of stood my ground with my mom, and I tried to be very gracious about it, but I said, Mom, I am not you. I am my own person, and I don't want to ever hear you say that again. And that was the beginning of us no longer having a relationship because um, that was, my stepping into my power and her not knowing what to do with someone claiming their power back. And, yeah, and I had old, that with
1: my mother as well. Yep. I had that. So you, same yep. You situation. know exactly what I'm
2: saying. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: And one thing, if, if we have time, I'd like to share this, this kind of concept that I give to my clients. And, um, if you can Mm -hmm. imagine a scale, like a scale on a table, Jen, you've probably seen this, you know, that has two little plates on each side Mm -hmm. and chains attached. And, um, mm -hmm, so you get that image, like if you think of a a law of justice scale, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so when one person, imagine a dysfunctional relationship, so Let's say we have Sue and Sam, and um, this is a very codependent relationship. There's dysfunction here. And suddenly Sue realizes that the way things have been isn't the way she's going to live her life anymore. So she makes a shift. So she changes her side of the scale. And as soon as one person changes their side of the scale, inevitably the other person is going to be impacted. So you've got Sue on one side, and you've got Sam on the other side, right? So what I typically see is a system of four steps or four options that the other person will then kind of filter through. And sometimes they weave in and out of several of them, sometimes it's just one. But you can use the example of what happened with my mother and me to kind of um, project onto this example as well. So let's say Sue changes the dynamic. Sam now will slip into um, these options. The first one would be confusion for Sam, like um, I've never really seen you do this before. Um, I'm not really sure Uh you're gonna hold the line yet, so I'm just gonna state here and assume it's going to go back to how it was because it's always been that way, Mm -hmm. right? So things mm-hmm. get a little bit awkward, yeah. uncomfortable. They're, they're not quite sure how this is going to turn out. The key is for Sue to hold the line, for Sue to stay steady. Because when the other person gets unsteady and their behavior starts to shift, sometimes you might go, this is so complicated, I'm going to go back to where it was. My mom used to do that, draw a line in the sand and then go back to where it was. And um, and that's you know not the healthiest approach. So step number two would be, Confusion at first, but then I don't like this, this isn't working for me, and so a form of manipulation starts to follow. They might become aggressive, they might give the silent treatment, they might go into sarcasm, they might want to try and humiliate that other person, they just want to make it so uncomfortable for that individual that they erase that line and they re-level where it used to be. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm Number three is they literally say, um, you know, I I don't want anything to do with this. I don't love you anymore. I don't, um, you know, I want to, I don't want to play this game. I'm out of here. So it's jump ship. Um, There's no dialogue. There's no um, trying to work this out. They just don't want to be a part of it. They tend to be uh, more narcissistic, uh, more controlling, and um, they'll go on to another Mm -hmm. party that will be more submissive to them. And then of course right. the I was mom, just going I was
1: just going I was just going to say that because my mom did that she yeah she went to someone else yeah and and it went all the way to her I mean she, that's all of her relationships all of her relationships with friends and stuff like that were oh they're the best they're lovely they're
2: wonderful until she couldn't control them anymore Exactly. And my mom did the same thing. And again, it's a scary mm-hmm. thing to not be in control. So, this isn't a judgment regarding whether somebody's good or bad. This is an assessment that says that they did not know how to have the coping skills to bear through mm-hmm. the discomfort of a relationship. So, um, feeling out of control for them feels so frightening and so difficult. Um, to cope with that, it, they feel like um, it's better for them to not have that relationship at all. I see it all the time, and um, it's important not to yeah. try and take that personally. It's just that they don't know a better way, you know. But the last right. one is the best. Right, and yeah, uh, it, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, I want to hear what you're saying too. I just was hoping to get number four in. So no, the go ahead. One is yeah, get it. Thank in. you. Um, is I value you so much that if this is the new place that you're at and if this is what's best for you, then I am willing to stay in it until we figure out a new healthy balance for both of us. And I have seen Mm -hmm. that as well. And so um, it's helpful when I'm working with clients and I say, okay, now that we're moving into this state where there's a shift, you need to expect Sam just working with Sue and Sam isn't there. I'll tell Sue, I'll break it down for him and I'll say, Sue, this is what you're probably going to end up seeing now. And it'll be helpful for you to know that this is normal human behavior and you can't control once you shift your side, what that person is going to do. But it's very critical that you hold the line and be willing to pay the price. Or whatever that person chooses if you truly are in like a codependent or abusive or whatever situation um, sometimes if you know what's mm-hmm. coming if you know what to expect then you cannot be shocked by it and you can just kind of find the backbone to, to hold what needs to be held yeah i love that
1: so let me ask you this. I, there's two things I want to talk about as we kind of wrap up here. And so the first is the SOS that you talked about on stage. I'd like to share that with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But I'd also like to tra- transfer this into communication, um, not, well, just, yes, the communication, the um, uh, lack of proper problem solving skills, and the unresolved past trauma into business. How that mm-hmm. helps business people. So that's great for our relationships with our family, but how do we transfer that into a work environment, Um, whether we're an employee, um, you know, trying to change things, you know, and and, and show up differently, or whether we are an entrepreneur who has realized this and now wants to change some things that the employees might not receive as well. So, I'm sure there's a lot of things around that, but just on a high level, how can we transfer this into um, the business world? And then, of course, we'll find out more about how to get a hold of you in case someone wants to go deeper in that. Okay, great. So do you want me to address the SOS first? Yes, please. That would be wonderful. Awesome.
2: Uh, Yeah, so when I was on stage down in L.A., it's interesting that you bring that up because um, repeatedly that particular aspect of my presentation seems to be what resonated most with people and they kind of like there's the SOS lady and so I'm glad that that hit a chord Um, it certainly does with me personally and that's why I wanted to share it Mm -hmm. so um, I what I explained was that um, when you start experiencing certain behaviors in a family dynamic you need to know when to reach out for help so um, I call this the SOS signal um, when to send out a signal that says, I need more than what I am accomplishing on my own. So the first of the SOF is sarcasm. When you start seeing sarcasm slip into your family dynamic, into your relationships with your spouses or even with siblings, and, uh, you know, there's criticism that kind of tends to be an undercurrent Um, I really invite people to get that in check quickly because there's a difference between being light-minded and being light-hearted and When you start being light-minded with each other when there's a Mm -hmm. mm -hmm, Light-hearted can be fun and playful, but not at the expense of the other person light-minded is You know kind of a collaboration of that sarcasm or criticism and you might say oh, I'm just kidding but the subconscious does not know how to interpret Humor or sarcasm. I mean it takes it as fact so um, That is one thing that in our family. We made um, very clear that you can be playful with each other But don't slip into that sarcastic mode because people start to have um, You know kind of unresolved pain that can carry on for years and years and years and it can prevent close relationships So just kind of put that in check Mm -hmm. as soon as you can um, and sometimes they don't even know they're being sarcastic. Like, that's one of the first things I'll ask my yeah. clients. I'll say, Yeah, are, are you seeing any sarcasm? And I'll define it for them, and they'll go, Oh, yeah, we've actually been doing that. And I'll say, Okay, let's get that off the table right away. So, the second mm-hmm. part of the SOS is the O, which is oppression. And um, you see this happen when somebody might be on a business trip or even away for the day for whatever reason, and they just, don't want to go home you know they they mm-hmm. dread walking up the sidewalk they start to feel heavy when they're with so their they family work um, it can yeah. be overwork, they overwork but
1: they, too
2: yes yeah, mm-hmm. and they don't feel like home is a refuge for them anymore they feel like they're going to go mm-hmm. home and it's not going to be a place of um, welcoming or warmth and maybe there's gonna be contention there or they feel guilty about something they've done and they don't wanna be accountable for that. So when there starts to be a feeling of oppression, like the family's weighing you down or making you feel trapped, or maybe you don't, you know, you're so tired from work that you have nothing left to give to your family, um, then that's more serious, of course, than the S. So we're we're moving up the chain here. Oppression is right, is mm-hmm, a more serious state. And the last, of course, we touched on this a little bit earlier. The last is silence. When you feel like you've tried everything or when you feel like um, your efforts have been in vain, nothing seems to work, the other person just doesn't get you and um, you start to give up, then hopelessness creates that sense of silence or you just don't care enough about each other anymore to contribute. And... um, so mm-hmm. silence is very dangerous. So if family members, if any individual here that's listening is seeing those um, signs, the, the sarcasm, the oppression, and the silence, I highly encourage them to reach out for some form of um, support system. I'd love to be um, a resource for them to help kind of um, prevent that final foundation breakup from happening. Yeah, that's, that's really, really important. Um,
1: yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I hear I hear it see it around me, you know, because my um, I'm not an expert in this area at all, but because I am in tune with it, just like you, because I've gone through it, I can see it very quickly. And mm-hmm. I'm able to help my clients, you know with coaching, uh, realize that there might be some other issue. I don't solve it. I send them to professional, but I Mm -hmm. I definitely know that it's easy to see, you know, those types of things. Um, Okay, so we have a few more minutes left um, and just a few. So can we talk about how to
2: move this into the
1: business world?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so being married to my husband, you know, who has his own firm, um, I know how stressful building up a business can be. And I know that The mind consumption, you know, the creativity that it requires, the labor that it requires. So, yes, the first thing is ineffective communication. I'm just going to use an example from him being a boss with one of his previous employees. I found it really interesting as an observer because my husband was coming home more and more stressed about some of the behavior of one of his employees and he'd say, mm. well, I said this, I told this individual this and, um, mm-hmm. and it's still not changing. And so um, finally, I, you know, I gave him some information and, and gave him an idea of something that he could do. To help this person to comply and it was a bit more aggressive than what my husband's nature would be but it would have accomplished the task and um, and the point I was trying to explain to him is honey um, if you're trying all these different avenues and speaking it and they're still not getting it then there has to be a consequence there has to be something that mm-hmm. ends up kind of putting them in check to realize that if it continues this way the verbal capacity isn't going to work so sometimes the communication has to be a consequence Um, right so just kind of make sure you're very clear and um, you know kind of build up to make sure sometimes he even got to a point where he had this individual sign a contract like he made it so clear even in writing that this was the contract and it still didn't quite prove effective so he had to let this individual go So yes, clear is critical and then assess. Um, Be very good about assessing and giving feedback to that individual and sometimes it just comes to the point where there's defiance and they're not wanting to comply. So you work with them through communication and then, um, you know, go to the more serious aspect if that's not working. Um, Number two, the problem-solving skills. I go into my husband's office, I actually have an office within his space, and we have office staff training. And during the training, I will ask them, okay, so tell me how things are working, give me a report on things that are working well. And so each one of them will tell me, you know, their success story, tell me a win that you're having. And then I'll say, now tell me what isn't working well. And uh, it's Mm -hmm. in a very safe, loving environment and everyone is the other person's advocate because when you have a healthy team environment everyone wins so sometimes when you have each other with the security that we've got your back but we do need to address this thing um, that really helps them to feel maybe initially uncomfortable but also very empowered to know that we have their best interest at heart and we want them to perform at their highest peak so um Kind of bringing it to the table and allowing everyone to, you know, to express and say we're in this together. We all win. It's not just about a boss. It's about us as a team improving ourselves and um, becoming better individuals and better employees. You can walk away feeling really, really good about that council time together. The last thing is unresolved past. um, Thank you. The last thing is unresolved trauma past trauma exactly. So um, this is something that can be very personal, of course, for for individuals that may not be spoken of necessarily in an office space. You know, you don't want to use up the time on the clock to be talking about a lot of personal um, issues. But I can uh, guarantee that the past trauma that someone has had that hasn't been resolved can come very, very strongly to um, the work environment because. Say, um, you know, a female employee, I'm just using an example, had a very harsh demeaning father and then suddenly the boss is having a bad day and then says something, you know, rather short to the secretary and then suddenly she's, you know, um, completely slipping back into that feeling of not being approved of and, and um, being criticized or condemned by an adult male figure and um, and that can, it's been proven, I actually read this not long ago, that that will definitely work or affect their ability to be efficient, proficient, and um, um, productive. So wow. um, just be very, mm-hmm. very mindful of people's dynamics. And in my husband's office, we have a perfect scenario because I can work with the individuals and make sure that their personal lives. Um, in fact, I've gifted that to them. My, you know, my goal is to keep that staff moving forward in, in a strong manner, but Um, I want them to feel like their personal life and their work life are both valued and important. There's a gentleman right now um, with whom I'm closely working and, and uh, he said in the past, you know, he's had responsibilities with clients and so forth. But, you know, there wasn't always this acknowledgement that he was a father, too. And he had home responsibilities and he had other things. And they didn't always respect that when he couldn't always be meeting the client's needs at a certain level. And, and um, so I think we need to be very important to address each other as a whole person. And, uh, you know, if they can't get the resources or they're not getting the resources that they need, Um, currently in their life, and they're bringing that home challenge to the office, encourage them, you know, to get the extra support so that they can heal and feel whole again and not bring that fractured mentality to, you know, the place that, um, you know, affects money and affects um, just efficiency and peace in the the office environment. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: And so that that part can't be done in a a setting, that has to be something that's done on the side and, you know, can be, can be that you're offering that as a something for everybody, you know, to bring into, um, you know, as a benefit for your team. You know, some places, you know, have um, massages, right, for their team. I'm using a very low level version, but some people, you know, as a benefit, um, we're going to have daycare for our employees. As a benefit, we'll have... Mm -hmm. Um, the ability for you to work on yourself personally, you know, and that can be something that someone could bring in. So thank you so much for sharing all this. This has been absolutely wonderful. I really appreciate it. I, and, and again, the SOS, the, re- the reason why I like the SOS is I'm, I'm, very, I'm an engineer, so I'm very much um, into uh, acronyms so that I can remember things. I'm just real big on that, and I think that's why it probably resonates with so many people. Um, but I, uh, you know, I just thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. So if someone wants to
2: get a hold of you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yes, I'd mm-hmm. love for them to do so. You can go to my, my g- or my email address. It's wholefamilymentoring at gmail.com. I currently have a website, wholefamilymentoring.com, as well, but I'm having kind of a special opportunity unfold for me that I'll be able to announce in the future, and I'll be having a whole new web page uh, available then. But they can also go to my Facebook page, and it's Lori Richens, just L O R R I E Richens, and they can learn a little bit more about me and and um, they can personally message me through that as well. But I am definitely on a mission to help support and advocate for families and do whatever I can to help them to feel healthy and whole again. And um, I'm a witness that all it takes is one person to do the work to transform dysfunction into a thriving, happy life. And so I wanna give people the hope that um, if they get the help that they need, if they find the resources, you know, they can transform uh, an entire past that might have been rather sad or traumatic into something very fruitful and positive and rewarding. And um, I'm an example of that. And Jen, I'm so impressed with what you've accomplished in your life. And I appreciate the opportunity that I've had today to share of some of these insights and experiences with you and your audience.
1: Well, you are very welcome. And we'll make sure that all of your contact information
2: is um, in
1: the the show notes so that people can get access to it. And again, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing this with us. And, you know, listen, you're listening in, by the way, if you're the, it's the first time you've been, um, or the person that you have listened into our show, thank you so much and welcome. We hope you come back again. If you're a regular listener, thank you so much. You know that I really believe in focusing on mindset and personal growth. just as much as I do about the tactical part of running your business, whatever your business may be. And so um, I always look for your feedback, for ideas on, on um, guests that we could have and topics that you want to um, explore. But I really, again, think it's very, very important that we're not just working on the business of our business, but on the personal side of us as we, you know, go on this journey with our, our businesses to have them grow over, you know, our lifetime. So, again, thank you so much, Flori, for joining us today. And we hope to catch you all next time on Stop Talking Take action, get results.
0: Thank you for listening to Stop Talking, Take Action, Get Results. Can't get enough and want more? Visit JenDuplessis.com to book Jen to speak at your event or company or learn about her coaching programs. You can schedule your private strategy session with Jen by texting STRATEGY to 66866. If you want to multiply your results in record time while working less and having a life, contact Jen today. Thanks again, and be sure to tune in next week.